0: Welcome to Working From The Inside Out with Finesse Equestrian and your host, Ali O'Brien. Join us as we unpack the equestrian dream, talking to incredible riders, equine experts and a few of our own tips too. In the self-titled documentary, Buck, he puts it this way. You tell a horse, don't worry, I just want to climb on you in a position similar to how a lion would kill a horse and then you say oh and one more thing I want to strap the hides of dead animals on you. Mm, Gets you thinking huh? So today's podcast and the very first of our Start Your Own Horse series is going to be on theory. So for me up until I was about 20 years old I kind of relied on the fact that I was pretty brave and confident, and I guess I had a, an innate ability to do pretty well on a horse until I got pretty badly injured. And when this happened, I started to think, hmm, I can't really rely on just this anymore. Maybe I should begin to learn about the theory of working with horses, the psychology. How does a horse think and how does a horse learn? And when I began to delve into this side of things, it really opened up a whole new world. And no longer was I just doing things because that was the way they'd always been done, or relying on being pretty good at hanging on I actually had an understanding of how to work with a horse. So this ultimately led me into starting horses under saddle and going into this line of work professionally. So one of the really big things that helped me and as Buck was talking about was that the horse is a prey animal and just like us, they have the survival brain where they kind of, uh, I guess, show flight, fight or freeze. So oftentimes, we can think of these behaviours as being, I guess, bad things or bad habits where in actual fact, it's just the horse trying to communicate with us that they don't feel calm and relaxed and happy. And that ultimately falls back on us as riders and trainers to help the horse be in a state where they don't feel like they need to survive. Just like Buck was talking about with um, basically climbing on them like a lion would. So for me... I really want to work when I'm starting a young horse or restarting or working with any horse. I want to have them feeling relaxed, calm and accepting of me and everything that we do to them. From brushing them, from haltering them and catching them to saddling, putting boots on them, riding them and taking them out in the big wide world. I want to teach that horse that they can feel relaxed. So if we delve a little bit into the flight fight and freeze all of those things say the same thing I'm feeling fearful for my life right now and sometimes it's just in a very subtle way and sometimes and it's it happens in a really big and obvious way and many times we don't see those big obvious things like maybe the horse bolting or bucking or biting or kicking or shutting down to the point that they don't move at all, so that's our freeze. Those things generally only happen if we haven't listened to the really subtle cues in the first place. So when I work with a horse, I'm really looking to see what are those subtle signs that the horse is showing me So that I can begin to adjust myself so that I don't push them over into a place where they really feel like they have to let me know. So body language is another really big area. Of course, this is our horse's first way of communicating with us and one another. And when you begin to start listening about the flight, fight and freeze we begin to see those subtler signs of body language and we begin to become more aware of our own body language as well. Quite often I see people kind of march up to a horse and then they wonder why that the horse is hard or difficult to catch or maybe the horse just does something very subtle like it looks away when we go to catch it or when we go to bridle it. So really taking note of those things and adjusting ourselves so that we're less offensive to the horse. Now if we think about horses out in the paddock, uh, we can often see them communicating with each other with their body language. Sometimes we see horses that are quite aggressive, what looks like a leader. And oftentimes these horses, from what I have observed, are ones that don't feel very confident within themselves. Maybe they're a little bit lame or injured, maybe they're not very well. Um, Maybe in the past they have kind of, maybe they've gone without food and it's pushed them into a place of feeling like they need to be aggressive to fight for their lives basically. But I think uh, the type of leader that I really like to look at is the passive leader. And we have a few of these in our herd, one of them being my old Kaimanua Tama. So he was the first wild stallion that I got from the Kaimanua master in 2016 And he is just such a beautiful example of a passive leader. He very rarely does anything that um, would fall into the fight category. Uh, And all of the other horses respect him and follow what he does. So if he decides to move somewhere, then the other horses follow along. He shares his hay, he shares the water... But ultimately, he is the leader of the herd. And that's because he comes across in a really safe and comforting way. He's he's going to look after that herd. One time, a few years ago, I had a young stallion come to me. And he was a domestic stallion. And he had a few issues with feeling, uh, I guess, or with being uh, in a state of fear, quite often and he would swing from being really on top of you to uh, wanting to and almost like well I guess actually it was probably both in the fight they were both in the fight category so he would want to be on top of you for comfort but then when he was there he would feel frightened and he would want to sort of run you over or bite and those sorts of behaviors so When we get a new horse into the herd often or when we get a new horse come to us oftentimes we put them in with the herd because the herd teaches them so much about how to be a horse especially if it's a domestic horse that has kind of picked up some people problems along the way. So when I put this stallion in with Tama's herd of geldings (laughs) he kind of the geldings into a little group and he just stayed on the outskirts of it. Now this stallion came in with all the bravado and quite a, an aggressive posture and Tama just quietly went on the inside keeping the stallion away. And the stallion got bigger and angrier and he really wanted to get in at those other horses and Tama just kept his cool on the inside. But the stallion kept on pushing and pushing and pushing and because he hadn't listened to Tama's very subtle cues, Tama ended up (laughs) all 13 two hands of him and this horse was about 16 two, 16 three. He ended up having to double barrel this horse. Now he didn't hurt him but it was enough to really let that horse know that he was not welcome and his way of coming into the herd was not welcome at all. And when Tama did that, the stallion left and went away and stood and sort of hung his head and cocked a hip and uh, cocked a leg and kind of let down. And in that whole time, the stallion had been using up a lot of energy, a lot of anxious energy. And so that was a really good lesson for me to learn as well. I think we can learn so much just by observing horses and seeing how they interact with each other, their body language, their communication, and then we can begin to emulate a little bit of that into our work. So two types of training that I work with a lot is positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. So I guess to just put it really simply, um, negative reinforcement is often referred to as pressure and release. So if you could imagine, if you wanted to teach your horse to walk forward, you might set your intention, lift your energy, apply a light leg and then as soon as they move forward, then you are going to release all pressure and go back to a neutral position. So through that, the horse learns that um, when the pressure is applied um, and then they take an action and the pressure goes away. So that's kind of how negative reinforcement works in a nutshell positive reinforcement is our clicker training. So in the beginning I was totally against using treats until I learned how and why and how it can really benefit our horses. So I often talk a lot about finding the thing that your horse loves and for a lot of horses just a release of pressure isn't enough to motivate them, especially a horse that perhaps has had trauma uh, in some sort of way. A release of pressure might not be convincing enough to them. So using positive reinforcement can be a really great way of speeding things up in a way to show them that, hey, look, this is a really great option. So when I use clicker training, what I like to use is just my tongue. Um, I don't tend to carry a clicker because I just find that um, it can be a little bit trickier to juggle having that at the ready if I'm riding or out and about. So my tongue is always in my mouth so that is what I use. So how I go about using it is in the place of where I would do the I guess release of pressure I also add in the click and then I give the treat so when we repeat that process enough times, or even we, there's an exercise called loading the clicker, where we basically just click, treat, click, treat, click, treat, until the horse realizes that the click means that the treat is coming. So when they hear the click, a release of endorphins happens, so we mark the moment of the behavior or um, movement that we want, and then the treat comes after that. So once the horse has an idea of what the clicker means, then we can begin incorporating it into our work. So there's different ways of going about it, um, shaping movements and behaviors. And some people like to use no pressure at all and kind of just wait for the horse to do um, the thing that we're wanting them to do to kind of get curious and discover Um But I tend to mostly use it uh, alongside um, the negative reinforcement. So let's say I was wanting to do a hindquarter yield and the horse I'm riding is just finding it really, really hard. So I might, and um, if you follow along with some of our exercises online, if you're part of our program or some of our free stuff, um, I might do... In the very baby baby stages, lateral flexion, wait till the horse is soft, present focused. Then I'll bring my leg back and wait for the horse to shift its weight and um, or even just make the thought of moving its hindquarters. And as soon as I feel that, I would release the pressure, And click at the same time and then reach down and give my horse a treat. And so it's just been a really beautiful way of speeding things up, helping the horse if that's what they need. um, Finding the thing that they love and adding it in there. And then of course we can um, kind of uh, wean it out as the horse begins to understand the cues. So positive and negative reinforcement in just a very quick nutshell. And then, of course, going into the things, finding the thing that your horse loves. So for some horses, that might be um, they might find comfort and doing things very in a structured um, environment so in the beginning so and and this is just in the beginning so over time our horses I guess uh, communication skills and our common language is going to grow so we can do more and more things together but I love to start off at a place where we can build a relationship and I don't want the horse to fit to what I do I want to fit to what the horse needs me to do because I am the student of the horse and it's up to me to get creative and to play and to listen and learn what they really need so For some horses, that might be creating a really safe environment. It might be not even leaving their paddock in the first um, session or days or weeks or months and just beginning to build a relationship there. For some horses, they might get bored out of their minds if we went round in circles. So it might be going out on a little adventure and adding in our exercises and all of the mental the mental and physical exercises um, to build that relationship. It might be adding in the clicker training. It might just be doing the, the pressure and release. It's all about listening to our horse and figuring out what they love and then we can grow from there. So that's a little bit on the theory of working with horses. And I think that uh, once we can begin to understand a little bit of theory and i could go on for hours and hours and almost write a book about this but i think just to give a brief overview of some of the things that we work with when we're working with the psychology of the horse um to be able to understand how the horse thinks and learns so that we can be better riders and trainers. So Today I have with me Emily, who did the Start Your Own Horse course, hmm, I think it must have been a couple of years ago now. So Emily, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience uh, with
1: starting your own
0: horse and using the course?
1: Cool, yeah, absolutely. So um, I suppose when... A little bit of quick bit of background is I haven't started my own horse before, so um, I bought myself a young horse who was three when I did the course, three, nearly four, and um, I was sort of done a little bit of groundwork before. I'd done um, some clinics and things, and so I started to think I kind of had a pretty good idea of um, what I was looking for, but everything changes when you get a young horse, and it can be a little bit daunting sort of to start with because you I felt like with myself I probably put a lot of pressure on myself to get things right or Mm -hmm. not screw up the horse and things like that and probably held myself back a little bit like that so I think um with the um, opportunity to do the course with you Ellie it was really great because it gave me a framework of things to do and checklists and sort of things to work on um so that I could kind of progress rather than just holding myself back and okay well we'll just keep on working on what's good rather than starting to push the boundaries and actually move forward.
0: Mm. That's awesome and um and and I guess kind of knowing that you don't have to have every little bit perfect before you can move on to something else it's kind of bad uh, by the time you get to the riding stage uh, all of your groundwork is perfect but you don't have to stay and drill on one thing until it's absolutely perfect
1: <laughs> yes and and that was actually really bad for my horse's personality and um, and, and I'm still paying for those early mistakes and that she's she's very um, very easy to bore she she doesn't mm-hmm. like spending a lot of time doing the same thing over and over so when she's got it it's really important that I move on and, that, and I did a little bit too much drilling early on and so mm-hmm. she sort of just gets to a where she's like ah, why are we doing this again like this is really boring um, <laughs> so I had to keep real conscious of that and um, keep her interested
0: <laughs> yeah awesome that's really cool and um so I, I mean, guess the other thing as, as well, is well is kind of just sort of taking hiking, your time, isn't it? And uh, whether it takes you six weeks or 12 weeks or a year, you kind of just have to learn to to go with the flow and take the time it takes for your horse. Huh? And I know that um, there are yeah. a few things like along your journey that just sort of popped up and um, and you had to pivot and, um, and then move on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, um, and and with my horse as well, we've had a lot of body stuff going on, and and I think just having that um, awareness of um, the horse and and just sl- like you said, going slowly and um, and looking for what's going on with their body, it makes a big difference than just forcing them to go through the motions, and um, and it was really nice to go through the course and and feel like even though you felt like you're getting behind in terms of um, if you've made it fit a timeline, um, it, it wasn't the end of the world, you know, and, and ha- having those catch-ups with you along the process and, and saying, you know, where we were up to and, and where we were going next, it was really, really good to feel like you're progressing and it doesn't matter that you're not fitting the the box of the program of how it, you know, how it's sort of laid out. Mm. Um made a really big difference as well and having the other people in the group who were experiencing similar things even though they all had different stuff going on but everyone had their own kind of oh no I have not been able to do anything this week because you know life's happened
0: Um, (laughs) and we all know
1: that those things happen but it's just nice to to know you're not alone. (laughs)
0: Yeah totally that was quite cool and I think there were um, a couple of horses perhaps that were having similar sorts of things I think there were a couple of you that had like the uh the ear pinning and harder to motivate um was that right
1: yes I think I think me I can't remember who it was but it was someone else who had basically the exact same horse as me and that like just got a kind of bit of attitude on when it was like I'm really bored can we stop
0: yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like
1: got bored really quickly and um really easy to drill on so I think um yeah, it's sort of good to experience other people having the same sort of horse personality experience mm-hmm. and working around that.
0: Yeah, and then it was quite cool because we could work together in adapting things to fit for your horse. And um, and I think in the end it was, I think we, we did chat about not staying on one thing too long. And, um, and did you also end up doing the clicker training as well?
1: i've done a little bit of clicker and and um that really helped a lot mm-hmm. um with her motivation for going forward and and taking away um some of the sort of the grumpiness about it too it's like, i don't think it's so much grumpiness um probably shouldn't describe it like that mm-hmm. it's just more just like wants to know why like why yes. why should i go forward you know what's in it for me
0: exactly <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> And, and so I think that that's really helped helped her a lot, and it's um, yeah changed changed her mind about what we were doing rather than it just being boring.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that was like one of the big things that we talk about is finding the thing that your horse loves, and um, whether that is doing circles in the arena because they need the comfort of it or um, or taking them for a walk out up the road where things are interesting and you can kind of give them purpose or or adding in the clicker training to give them that food motivator. It's it's totally just about finding the thing that they love and then building from there, huh?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, a mixture of two was what was really important um, for, for my girl because because of the boredom with the uh, doing with you know circles and things like that, it's really important for me to take her places and do things so we we tend to mostly just go out um down there because I've got a really long driveway and a dead end road, so we go out down the road and do do things on the going out so that it's not in the paddock, it's not where she is every day, it's not um the same old she she actually gets to do something different it makes her mind much more engaged and ready to do things
0: yeah that's fantastic and and because you can do all of the things that we're looking for out and about it doesn't have to be in a circle in an arena or in a round pen
1: yeah the other thing was um the round pen um exercises because i hadn't used a round pen really at all before Mm -hmm. um and initially i think a couple of us were a little bit like oh i don't actually have a round pen because i didn't have a round pen Um, and i still don't have a round pen but um Whenever I want to use a round pen, I just set one up with some tape. And um, I find that that's not really a problem for for most horses that are used to having a tape. So yes. it's um, one of those things to not let you be held back by not having some of the tools.
0: Yeah, and it's such a, um, I don't know how to put it, but like uh, I guess so many people think you have to have the six-foot wooden fence round pen to keep them in, but... Really, I think if we had just a tape round pen um, and you can get your horse going nicely in that, then that's almost what—that's almost better because that really gives you feedback of, am I putting too much pressure on my horse? Is my horse wanting to, to leave here? And if your horse jumps out, then, well, that's pretty good feedback that you're being too big or too much. So, um, so in some ways it can be a really good thing.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I do have one, my, my other horse will jump tape if it's just one, one tape. So she, <laughs> she would leave the round <laughs> if she wanted, but she hasn't yet. Well, that's good.
0: That, that's good feedback for you then. <laughs> You're on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> so today's um, podcast is our first one of the Start Your Own Horse series and um we're kind of touching on theory so the psychology um uh, that horses are a prey animal, uh, how they think and how they learn, and um, also the positive reinforcement and negative reinforcement. So, like, how did you find that understanding? Because I know for myself, before I understood that, I kind of was just winging it, I guess. So once you had that knowledge, how did things change for you?
1: Mm. I think... um probably sort of the biggest change along that line for me. So I think I I was probably similar to you in that I just kind of did it without realising that's what I was doing before. Mm -hmm. I understood the pressure and release and positive and negative reinforcement, and I understood how those things applied. But actually, like, um, but I didn't actually apply them actively. I just kind of did it by instinct. Yes. And so when you really consciously do those things, you're so much more consistent for your mm-hmm. horse, and they understand it so much better. Um, cause I think when you're doing it on a field, we're so easy to get like, we get distracted, um, mm-hmm. by what, by focusing on like the activity that we're trying to do or, uh, um, anything else, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, we get lost in, in the thing rather than looking for the response from the horse and that feedback. And so when you're much more conscious about their state of mind and and where what they're looking for um and then you can sort of pick on those releases pick up those releases sooner and get so much more out of them and um i think that's what made a huge difference for me as well as sort of um learning what you're actually trying to to do with the exercises so but rather than just going through the motions of of like a bend or something like that, that you're looking for the bend with the relaxation or the bend, and they're not just shut down. They're actually there and engaging with you and responding to you rather than just being sort of just giving up, (laughs) supposedly one way of saying it.
0: Yeah, totally. That's such a good point. And I think that even for myself in the early, early days of starting horses, it was about obedience and the skills that they were doing and not so much emphasis on having um, them, being a willing partner and working with them instead of making them.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Mm. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much uh, for coming on today. And I hope that um, you're, are you getting in some riding nowadays with her? Because I know that you've had a yeah, few yep. ups and downs along your journey with, um, with uh, I think it was an accident, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's not very good on the float. She's got some stuff going on in her hindquarters is what I think has sort of triggered it, and now she's got a bit of worry about the float. Yeah. I've just kind of forgotten about floating for a while. We're just going to not deal with that, and we're going to work more on just doing stuff at home. Yeah. And, um, but she's she's always the first one to come up to you in the paddock, wants to do work every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've changed to riding her in um, a traditional Heckamore because I'm quite interested in that kind of training. Awesome. Um, so I yeah I write her in that she's um she's really good and um, likes going through a little hacks out and you know we've got really good basics established now um We haven't got canter under settle even though that's um something some people would say you should have by now but we don't uh, <laughs> and I'm not worried about that not in a rush she's still only five um so she's still got a little bit of maturing to do before I worry about going out and doing heaps and heaps of stuff with her. So, um, yeah, I'm in no rush. I want a horse for, for horse a long time, not, yeah. for, a, not for right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. And I think, like, um, again, like in the early days, I would have done walk, trot, canter on the first rides. But as I've progressed in my knowledge, I've learned that it doesn't matter if you don't get it all in the first day or the first month or even in the first year because it, you're better to have that strength and balance both mentally and physically before you ask them to do uh something physically that if you don't have those things, it can cause anxiety and then and then uh that's not fun from there,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I think the biggest thing i've I've learned um through starting like my own horse in this way is that once you've got those basics established and they understand um like what that you're expecting them to try and figure out the answer to all the different things that you're asking that each step that you take kind of gets easier in in a way so I'm not worried about canter being an issue because I know that as we get our forward better and better it'll just be another ask it's just like trot was for me it's like once we got the forward being asked for one day I just went out was riding along in the walk and went Shall we go for a trot?" and it was like okay it wasn't <laughs> awesome. a big it wasn't um it, it, and and so I feel like the same thing will happen with canter one day it'll just be well we're trotting again this is really great shall we canter and it'll just be the next step and it won't be a big deal because she's understood the concept in the other places yes
0: yep that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. It's good to catch up.
0: Mm-hmm. This podcast was proudly brought to you by Finesse Equestrian. For free videos and articles, head on over to com. You can also find me on facebook or youtube under finesse equestrian training or on instagram under ali a o'brien if you enjoyed this podcast don't forget to subscribe so you are the first to listen in to screenshot and share on social media and rate and leave us a review so you can do your part in helping us to reach more horses and people